0: I'm Andrea Ferretti. I'm the host of Land Podcast, and this is OPP. Pop OPP. OPP.
1: OPP. bless, and welcome to another episode of OPP, America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Andrea Ferretti, host of the amazing podcast, Yoga Land. Andrea spent more than a decade as an editor at Yoga Journal, interviewing inspiring yoga teachers, creative thinkers, and wellness experts. Now on Yoga Land, Andrea talks to insightful people about all things related to yoga and the path of self-awareness, from how yoga should be used in schools, to how it rewires our brains, to nitty-gritty anatomy advice, and to the simple ways it helps us navigate emotions. Yogaland is a dose of weekly inspiration that focuses on creating a happy, healthy, and meaningful life. Stay tuned as we learn more about Andrea, her career in media, podcaster's picks, and of course, we learn more about her dope show, Yogaland. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to Andrea Ferretti. I guess we're like starting the interview now. We're just, we're just rocking and rolling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know, I, I was talking to someone about that and we were talking about how the transition from writers becoming podcasters. But how, totally. how was that adjustment for you?
0: Well, it was really good because I was kind of at this point where writing was becoming so tedious. You know, I just it's just, I mean, when something is in print and I mean, it's a little easier now with the web, but like I worked for a magazine for a long time. When something is in print, I mean, it's there forever. So you feel like it has to be perfect and like a million people look at it and it gets edited a million times. And you're just, I was kind of tired of that process. And I just wanted something like a little more creative and dynamic. So I was really looking forward to it, but I was so nervous when I started podcasting. I would like write down every possible question I was going to ask the person. And then I would write down like possible sub questions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> didn't, I didn't want to like be blank and just you know get shy or nervous so I would just I was so over prepared I can't even listen to the first few episodes I can't go back and listen to them
1: it's almost like you're using two different skills because you know yeah. for me I was a songwriter so writing songs is very different when you're dealing with songwriters they're not used to singing you know yeah. so it's very similar you know oh yeah a very similar yeah. transfer there yeah. You know, so when someone steps in front of the microphone in front of people, it's a very different
0: thing. Totally.
1: And it's a, a totally different skill set.
0: But you're such an you are like the mo- one of the most natural extroverts I've ever met. You seem like you're just very comfortable talking to anyone. Like you could shoot the shit with anyone.
1: Yeah, but don't ask me to write for like the New York Times. <laughs> 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 like don't ask me to write.
0: <laughs> That's my husband's the same way. Like my husband's a yoga teacher and he so much prefers just like verbal communication and I prefer like my natural place is more written. I'm getting better. I'm getting a lot better at the verbal from, you know, that's the other nice thing is the more you practice anything the just the better you get at it and the more natural you get at it. So if you wanted to sit down and write, you would definitely, it would get so much more natural for you after a few years. I, Plus, I, you're a songwriter, so you do write.
1: Right, but that's creative writing, not formal writing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah.
1: You know, it's funny how, like, times are working. Times are working in my favor. If I was doing, if I was living 30, 40 years ago, my skill set would not be nearly as valuable. Like, now everyone could be a Walter Cronkite,
0: <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. Oh, I know. I mean, like, the self-publishing thing is incredible. I, I I, just, I get really excited about it because when I started, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm middle aged. I'm in my mid forties. So when I started writing, yeah, like there there was no way for me to get published for anyone to read I mean this was like the 90s right okay the world wide web had just started and so I had to go through like really traditional channels to get anything published and to get get any voice out there at all and it took years and now it's just amazing like if you're a good writer or if you have a creative idea and you can create your own podcast like people can hear you it's pretty awesome
1: was there ever a frustration in the journalism world of you know having to go through different channels or loopholes to get, you know, that final thing out to the public.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it just, it just took so much longer and it took really having, um, I mean, it took really having an in somewhere so that like, if someone knew you and could say, yeah, she can handle this story, then someone would throw you a story, but you can't just like cold pitch, you know, a magazine or the New York times or anything. You just, you just can't So it just takes you a really long time to build up that reputation. And I tried doing it freelance before I started working for yoga journal. And I just, I, I had some corporate gigs, but it just, I failed miserably. I needed to get like a staff job in order to, um, to really start writing.
1: Now, was your focus initially on genre of yoga per se, or what were you covering when you were writing for publications? Um,
0: more like w- before Yoga Journal. Yeah. It was m- more like women's health. So I has I started out on the web. Um I worked I started working for this f- small um com called women.com that I mean it eventually became pretty big, but I mean, that, that's um, a domain
1: right there. Women.com. I know, right?
0: It's, <laughs> it was an awesome domain. So yeah, when I started there, there were like 15 people and then it grew and grew and we started producing magazine websites for the magazine. So like I produced prevention.com um, new com, which was, I think a Hearst publication that has since folded. Um, and then some other independent little websites. So, but my main focus was, um, wellness, you know, health and wellness. So, so the yoga transition, like was kind of made sense. It It's all kind of under the same umbrella for me.
1: If I can remember correctly, you're from Pennsylvania.
0: I am. Allentown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. That's good, right. Good memory.
1: <laughs> so, so tell me about like the journalism landscape when you first got into it, and then kind of tell me where it is right now in your current role in, in journalism.
0: Yeah. Well. Um, so let's see. I moved to California right after college, so I've been here for a really long time. Okay. Um, and so. Yeah. When I started, I actually, like, I remember graduating from college and doing a bunch of interviews for different magazines that were out here, like Parents was out here. And then there were a whole bunch of computer magazines. Again, this is like right before the dot-com kind of started. Um, And I actually didn't get those jobs. So I just started working for like a nonprofit, and, you know, I was working at a cafe and just Make you know, just making life happen so that I could live in California because I really wanted to live here. And um it was about two years later that I got this job at women.com. And um and so I, I wouldn't call that job necessarily journalism. That was more like web production, content production. And then I transitioned over to yoga journal several years after, like maybe four or five years after that. And so I When I started at Yoga Journal, it was really, like, print was the thing. Yoga Journal had a small website, um, but you really wanted to be working on the magazine. Like, you really, that was really, like, where the quote-unquote real journalism was happening. And that kind of continued for my whole tenure there. I was there for 10 years. Um, And I actually would switch back and forth between the website and the magazine because I had had, I was one of the few people who had web experience on the staff. Um... But like social media wasn't really happening yet. Like they didn't really understand it. And then by the time I left, I left when my daughter was really little. Um, she's six and a half now. Um, I left when she was a baby. By the time I left, they were kind of like, oh, we need to get on this web thing. Like we need to get on this social media thing. Yeah. So you know everything. I mean, it's just it's completely different now. And I I honestly. For a while, I was a little nervous about it being a print person. I was like, oh, you know, print is so much more thorough and there, there is so much more checking because like I said, the words are there forever. There's so much more fact-checking. There was more budget put into the production of that work. But I don't know. Ultimately now, I think it keeps everyone more honest that people can self-publish. I think it keeps... Like it's just so... Y- like talent can sort of rise to the top so much more easily than it used to be. And, um, and you have to be like a really discerning consumer of media. Mm -hmm. You have to really, you know, you, you have to kind of listen and then think to yourself, does this make sense? And then check other sources and check other outlets. And, you know, you really have to actually think for yourself if you want to, I don't know, not be totally brainwashed it, it, by
1: things. Uh, what, what, what is your natural interest to get into the health aspect uh, of journalism? Where would that come from?
0: Gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, my dad had been in um, healthcare media. Like he had a small television, healthcare television production company that like did little TV segments. Um, and I was just always kind of geared toward, um, well, like just, I, I was a dancer growing up. So, I mean, I was like very physical growing up. And I'm, I always talk about this on my own podcast. So I might as well just put it out there. I mean, I have always just been a very um, tightly wound person. Like I was a very anxious kid, you know? And so when I graduated from college, like it was, it was hard for me. Like I really had to work on myself and like go to therapy and kind of get my emotions more balanced and under control. So to me, it was all kind of wellness related, like mind, body, you know, taking care of it. it yourself. It's very important for me to like eat well and get enough sleep. I'm just a very, um, I'm like a delicate little being, you know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> strong am. though, strong
0: personality. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I am, you know, I think that's an interesting thing about having any kind of like mood issues or, you know, anxiety or depression. Like You feel like you're so weak when you're going through it. But I mean, if you can get through that, you're actually phenomenally strong and you have to develop the skills and the, uh, you know, the coping mechanisms to kind of deal with your makeup, like to deal with your constitution.
1: Mm. So for me, I I discovered yoga when I was in college. And so for me, it was like, okay, well, these are all the girls are doing. So I could either like hang out with these meatheads or I could hang out with these hot girls and we're yes. dog or whatever.
0: I love <laughs> so, it. I love it.
1: How did you first discover, uh, discover yoga and how did that become a part of your life?
0: Oh my gosh. I actually kind of have a funny yoga story from college too. So I went to college on the East coast, but I spent one year, um, at UCLA. And so I was at UCLA and I, I needed a credit hour for something. I can't, you know, I just like needed to sort of an elective class. So there was a yoga class and I hadn't, I didn't really know anything about it, but I, I thought I'm a, I'm a dancer. Like this will be easy for me. So I went to this yoga class and first of all, getting there, I mean, UCLA's campus is big, but usually everything was kind of like centrally located. It was like way out in the hinterlands of the campus. I just remember like sweating and like trying to find it and I couldn't find it. And I was late. I was like 10 minutes late and I got there and it was this yurt. It was a yurt on UCLA's campus. Okay. Wait, what's a yurt? A yurt is like, it's kind of like a tent, but it's bigger. And it's usually like a round, it's kind of like a, a round canvas structure with I mean, just think like hippie land, you know, okay, it's like, a okay. so a, like a round canvas like a round
1: canvas tent.
0: Yes, yes. Okay, so I get up there, and this yurt was packed with bodies, and it was ripe. I mean, it smelled so <laughs> bad when I walked in, and I was like, oh. and the woman who was teaching it was just sort of straight out of the nineteen seventies. And I think I stayed for five minutes and I was like, this is not for me. And, you know, I mean, everyone there was like very serious and took it very seriously. And looking back, I think it was probably an Iyengar yoga class. It was like just very serious, which is a much more serious discipline of yoga. And then, you know, for years I didn't do it. And then I was out in San Francisco and I was like going through, you know, just trying to get a job and like establish my life and I was anxious and a friend of mine took me to a class in San Francisco at a studio that still exists here called the mindful body. And, um, the funny thing is the guy who taught the class, his name was Michael Cooper and he was the sweetest man he's since passed. And Jason, my husband, and I just loved him so much. Um, but at the time, for some reason, the, cl- the ha- class that I happened to go to, he was also a gymnast. He basically taught like a gymnastics class we were we were doing forward rolls all over the classroom and afterward my friend looked at me and she's like I have no idea what that was but I promise you like that was not a yoga class you (laughs) should you should go back (laughs) so I had all these weird false starts and then I just I remember I just went back and um I just really liked the smell of the studio it smelled like lavender it was just very calming. I needed that in my life. I needed, and the teachers that I went to there at the mindful body were just so um, grounding for me and almost like surrogate parents. Cause I was so far from home. They just made me feel like all the craziness of my life that didn't quite make sense yet, that it was okay. It was going to make sense at some point and I could just be here with these other people and breathe and move and, and it would be okay. Mm. And that's kind of how I got started.
1: Uh, so for me, I I am not a yogi. Is that the term? Yogi? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I'm not a I'm not a yogi,
1: but I I want to ask from you know someone who practices, what does yoga do for your mind? And what has mm. uh, yoga done for your body personally?
0: Oh, for me personally? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. That's like such a good question. Okay. So I would say physically, the um after all these years of doing it, the biggest benefit for me, I think I think a lot of people think of yoga as like, oh, it makes you more flexible. And it totally does. But I came to yoga pretty flexible because I was a dancer. So really for me, um, the thing that it's done physically is just given me more body awareness so that um, I know... On a day like, okay, I need to move. I need to actually go to the gym today and like do some cardio. I'm just like feeling really lethargic and this is what I need. Or, okay, my nervous system is jacked today. Like I need a really quieting, restorative practice. So mm-hmm. it's given me this like body awareness that I just didn't have before. I think I used to just, I think mo- many people do this. Like we override. All of our instincts because we think we should do something one day or we should do this or we should do that. And now I'm just like a lot more tuned in to what I actually need, um, to stay healthy and like to stay balanced. And I guess it's sort of the same thing mentally. It's, it just, it gave me a lot of awareness of my personality, my temperament. And it kind of helps me not believe my own bullshit all the time. Like, not believe every nervous, worrying thought. Like, let's say my daughter's going through something. If I ha- if I had never done yoga, I think I would have would just be constantly spinning off into like, well, what if this happens and what if that happens? And now it's like that, my mind might still do that, but I can step back and witness it because that's kind of what yoga asks you to do, is like to step back and witness things and go, eh, okay, that might just be a pattern of my mind. I don't really have to believe that. I can just like take a deep breath and come back to being in this moment. And in this moment, everything's fine. She's fine. We're good.
1: Uh, what about yeah. what about on a, on a spiritual level? Is there a spiritual component as well for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I don't get asked that very often. Um, so I don't tend to, I don't, I was, it's funny. I was just listening to um, Oprah, yesterday oh yeah was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah was,
1: don't we her, all don't we all love
0: <laughs> I, I mean you gotta love oprah right she you gotta love Oprah. so she was talking to eckhart tolle and she who's like a famous spiritual thought leader and she was saying you know is it okay if i call myself a spiritual person because he was just sort of making the point that like when people identify themselves by their accomplishments and by being spiritual, that it's just the ego talking. And I can't even remember what his response was. I think it's fine. I just, I don't walk around saying like, I'm a, Oh, I'm a very spiritual person, but I would definitely say that the practice and, and more so meditation for me than yoga has definitely aligned me with this feeling of like, being connected to something larger than myself mm. and I, I i think that people who are religious probably feel that way about their religion too i, I i've never really i've never been religious i kind of always like been jealous of people who are because it seems like i don't know it seems like it gives brings people a lot of comfort but yoga and meditation do that for me mm. does that make sense yeah totally yeah i mean yeah
1: it's cool that like through um because we're gonna get into yoga in just a second but i guess the segue into that is it's cool that something that's such an individual practice that you're able to build a community around something like that. Totally. It's like The hardest thing about um, maybe like a sport like tennis or golf is that you're just competing against yourself or it's just like a, it's a self practice. Um, yeah. It's kind of hard to build a community around golf because you're just working with you. Um, yeah. But I find yoga really interesting that, you know, you're able to build a community around this self individual experience.
0: It's so true. It's kind of amazing. I mean, I I would have never predicted all these years later that this is where I would be making my living, both my husband and I making our living out of doing yoga and really feeling like wherever I go, whatever city I'm in, if I meet a yoga person, it's like, oh, I know you. Mm. You know, it's like we we, there's like a recognition like, oh, yeah, we're from the same we're from the same tribe. You know,
1: we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to get into your podcast, Yoga Land. Awesome. Let's get into Yoga Land. Okay. Okay. So what I want to know is first. uh,
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: How did you first discover podcasting?
0: Oh, okay. Well, so um, I'm a breast cancer survivor and... Um, I'm almost at my five-year anniversary, actually. Yes. September will be five years. I'm so, I'm actually so excited. Thank you. Thank you. That's it's pretty cool. So, yeah. So, it was about five years ago. And um, I had my surgery. And then I had to do radiation. And when you do radiation, you you have to go to the hospital every day, five days a week for, like, five weeks, mine was um, at that time. So, so you're, like, drive. 30 minutes to the hospital and it's just a five minute appointment. It's kind of funny. You drive 30 minutes, you change, you sit in the waiting room, you have your five minute appointment, you drive home. Um, and I just kind of needed something to focus my mind at that time. It was just kind of, you know, a stressful time. And my neighbor, my upstairs neighbor told me about cereal and I had heard a podcast, but I didn't even, I don't even think I really knew how to access them. I was like, okay. And she told me and she like set it up on my phone and she said, just listen to this every day. It's so good. And I was so addicted. It was like the best thing I could have possibly done during that time. I mean, all I remember from radiation is sitting in the room listening, <laughs> listening to cereal. So I just fell in love with that. I fell in love with the form of storytelling. I fell in love with like how intimate it is, you know, right in your ears. Um, I, I just, and I fell in love with the fact that anybody could do it. And then from there, um, I started listening to call your girlfriend. Have you heard of call your girlfriend? No, about that. I bet you would really like it. It's, it's, um, it's two women, Aminatou Sow and Anne Friedman. And they're probably like in their mid-30s now. I think they're sort of at the end. They call themselves like the end of the millennial generation. And they're just really good friends. And they move, one of them moved to the East Coast and the other lived on the West Coast and they missed each other. So they decided to do a podcast where it would just be like, calling each other on the phone and talking about the stuff they talk about every week. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And they're really smart. I mean, Anne is a journalist and, um, they're just really smart. So they, and they're also decidedly like diehard feminists. So I start, and I mean, I'm a feminist, but I'm kind of like at this point, like an old feminist. So (laughs) I started listening to them and I just thought they were adorable. And it was also more relatable to me because they, then, then serial was because, you know, serial so produced, so highly produced, and there's so many people working on it and editors and the way that they tell the story is just like there's so much reporting and travel involved. And Anne and I Aminasu mean, are just like sitting there talking in their everyday voices about stuff they care about. So that was the next thing. I thought I listened to that podcast for a while, and I thought, because, like I said, I to you in the beginning of the interview, like I was really nervous for people to hear me speak. I'm just much more comfortable writing and so when i listened to them i was like maybe i can do this maybe it's okay that sometimes i still sound like a valley girl maybe it's okay that <laughs> you know i i just use my regular voice and that that's going to be okay with people and that's kind of what made me do it
1: uh what were the first steps for you in starting a uh, yoga land
0: so let's see i think w- i'm trying to you know I definitely, it took me like six months of leading up to it to really get something launched. I can remember being on a plane, going to see my best friend in DC and like making my list of possible guests and trying to think about topics and bouncing it off of friends, you know, bouncing the ideas off of friends and then trying to figure out the technical side, like what I had to do to get that set up. And then what I ended up doing was because I was just knew I was so nervous to do it. So I gave myself a launch date of Earth Day. <laughs> it just was sort of coming up, and I had a really good um, episode in mind. Um, this woman who, her name's Amy polity and sh- her her husband or boyfriend, I can't remember if they're married or not. Anyway, her long-term partner is a photographer, and um, she's not just a yoga teacher, she's also like an animal rights activist. So she did these, she decided to train to To learn to free dive, so she did all this training in a pool, and then she they went out and she um, did these long underwater dives with manta rays and different endangered, um, you know, sharks. And he took these gorgeous photos, like they're unbelievable. Um, and they went viral. And so I decided to interview her first. For Earth Day and kind of talked to her about like how did yoga help with her training? Like, how did the mental aspects of yoga and the physical aspects of yoga help her train to do those like incredible dives? So I set that like in my sights, that deadline. And then I knew I had to have a logo. I had to have it uploaded. I had to have like all whatever tech f- figured out by then. And that just spurred me to do it. And honestly, I don't even think I had a second episode done when I Launch that first one. Did you? (laughs) Same. Yeah. It was just like, I just got to go. There's not going to be an excuse. This just has to happen. I I think it's the best way to go. Yeah. I do too. I do too. You kind of have to hold your feet to the fire or you're going to, I don't know, you're going to worry too much and you're going to, and the thing is, for most people, launching. I can remember saying to my my husband's best friend, like, yeah, 80 people listen to my po- podcast this week. It's like, you don't have a lot of people listening at first anyway. So you get to kind of learn on the job.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, you just have to kind of go and do it.
1: Give me a description of Yogaland. Of Yogaland? Yeah. Land.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, you know, I, I spent years at, at Yoga Journal as an editor um, interviewing yoga teachers and like wellness leaders and, and creative people. And um, I, I would get, it was my favorite part of the job interviewing these people. And I would get off the phone with like a famous meditation teacher, yoga teacher. And I would feel completely just like uplifted and excited about yoga again and excited about life again. Cause these people are really deep thinkers. They're really interesting people. So, but then I would have this whole long interview, and there'd be like two quotes that got featured in the magazine. You know uh, this great conversation would get boiled down to so little so Yoga Leon is kind of my opportunity to talk to these people again about whatever they're working on or whatever's interesting to them, and to do a more long form conversation that I, I I mean, my, my goal with the podcast is just to inspire people to keep practicing yoga and to keep like living the principles of yoga in their life and to just feel positive about it. Because I don't know, I'm sure it's like this in the music industry too. It's so easy to get cynical and to just get frustrated by like the difficult aspects of things and to get tired of it and to get tired of the bullshit or whatever. And so, I mean, I've been doing yoga for, you know, more than 20 years. Like I could be like, I don't want to do this anymore. So it's really a way to be like, okay, we're all in this together. What are we focusing on this week? And one week it might be like kids yoga. And the next week it might be like um, how, what the yoga tradition teaches us about anger or fear or, you know, what's the best way to get into handstand. I mean, there's just kind of like a whole variation of ways that I approach it. But the goal is always to just keep people inspired to keep, Just doing this and feeling good about their life.
1: How have you seen your career change um, or your perception of you change from having this medium of podcasting?
0: I have seen it change so much. And I want you to answer this question, too, because I'm really genuinely curious. Yeah. So um, I guess the biggest change career wise is feeling like, oh. I can actually do this. I can talk. (laughs) I can speak intelligently about this topic and feel comfortable kind of putting myself out there in front of people more. Um, And then also the biggest surprise has been that there is such a community out there. When I worked for the magazine editors, we, we were always kind of hidden. Like we were always sort of behind the scenes and it didn't feel like people knew who we were or could respond to us. And now I just feel so supported by the community of people, people who listen, which is really cool. Um, and then, yeah, I would say the way that I've changed is I see myself as like, I've stepped into the role of being an expert more than I was willing to do before. I think I kind of like had a bit of imposter syndrome in my previous life and just doing this week after week and challenging myself and, and getting, you know, positive feedback from people has, has really helped me feel like I'm doing the right thing in my life. And, uh, this is what I am meant to do. So how about you?
1: It's funny. It's actually maybe sidelined the perception of me as a, as a rapper, as a songwriter. I think people now see me more as a podcaster. (laughs) <laughs> wow, I think they see me now more as a personality, um, and I think that's uh, a beautiful thing. Uh, that's not that's not something that I'm sad about. It's something that I uh, am grateful for. Like, you know, as long as you like me, that's cool. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I, I just don't want you to not like me. So <laughs> totally.
0: Well, you're very likable. So
1: for for listeners, is, is there a a guest that uh, came on your show that surprised you, or an interview that that touched you, or um, you know? what guest left a surprising impression on you the most?
0: (laughs) This is going to sound like shameless self-promotion. I swear it's not. But the person who surprised me the most was my husband because, I mean, he's a great yoga teacher and I knew that he would be. But we go about creative projects really differently. Like He's just so much more intuitive and fly by the seat of your pants. And like I said, I'm much more planned and a little bit (laughs) rigid perhaps. And so I can remember when he first said, like, I want to be on your show. I was like, Are you sure? And he was like, Yes. And I and I went through this whole like, what are we gonna talk about? And he's like, and he told me what he wanted to talk about, but it was very vague. And I kind of kept pressing him on it the way I would anyone I was gonna have on my show. And he was like, Would you stop? We're married. Like it's gonna be fine. And so we did the interview and it was amazing. And All of the interviews that we've done together, I just do them every once in a while with him are always the most fun. And they're the best content because we have this, like, clearly we have this natural chemistry and we love each other and we can give each other shit. So that has kind of been the most surprising. Um, I would say another interview that I just love doing so much was um, with a an ESPN 30 for 30 producer, Julia Lowry Henderson. So she did this whole ESPN series on Bikram Chaudhry, who's this like very sinister character in the yoga world um, who is still, I mean, he is, there's a warrant out for his arrest in the United States and he is still teaching abroad. He's like on the run teaching internationally still. And, she did this like five part series all about him. And she went to India and interviewed people from his past and, you know, interviewed all these people connected to him and who went through these horrible, you know, sexual assaults in the community and did this series about it. And so talking to her was fascinating for me because I knew about him. We never covered him in yoga journal, but I knew about him. I had taken Bikram classes before and Julie was just like an encyclopedia of knowledge about this whole thing. And she had come from the community, but like she had been a Bikram student and worked in a Bikram studio for years. So she had like that insider knowledge as well. It is such a good podcast. Um, it's kind of like the podcast that she did, the 30 for 30 podcast that she did on Bikram is kind of like listening to cereal, but for the yoga world. Okay. Like it's so addicting and so good. It's really so. That interview was just a lot of a lot of fun for me.
1: I, I find it interesting that the episodes um, that's kind of stick with you are, are with your husband because I think it goes back to the power of the medium of podcasting, right? Like you can have certain conversations that you maybe wouldn't have over breakfast. You know, it's so
0: true. It's so true. It's no, like, it's really true. Yeah,
1: that really shows like the power of the medium. Uh, we overall.
0: Yeah. We actually did a podcast in the fall, um, which was his suggestion, which I thought was so sweet. He's like, it was our 10th wedding anniversary, which it just came so fast. And he's like, why don't we do a podcast just talking about what it's been like to be in this relationship for 10 years and like where the yoga relates to this relationship. And honestly, that's not really a conversation we would have had, like you said, over dinner, we, and, and it was really fun to kind of reflect back and think about all those things. It was sweet.
1: Well, so you know what, Andrea, now we've come to a part of the show where I ask uh, the subject of every episode uh, to give me, it's called our Podcaster's Picks. And I ask, uh, I'm ask. i going to ask you to give me three podcasts that you love um, and you enjoy and then describe them to me.
0: Okay. I hope this is not too boring, but I am a diehard the daily listener. Me too. The New York, yeah, me too. Yeah. 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 So it's like, I dropped my daughter off from school. It's 20 minutes. It's the perfect, you know, it's just the perfect length of time. I like that the music is the same every time. In fact, it's made me think that I should have my music be the same every time because it's just so familiar. I love Michael, Bar- Michael Barbaro's voice. And I just, I just like the fact that, you know, it's not just about the news of the day. It educates you about the background of things because I feel like I did not spend my you know young adulthood years necessarily educating myself about all the stuff that was going on in the world. So it's just I think it's just such a valuable resource. You know, so. what
1: I love too about the daily, and I think maybe just the the overall mm-hmm. idea of it is it's very rare. And maybe you can uh, attest to this with me when you're looking at the journalism world as far as. Uh, major publications, they very rarely want their um, a, a person to be the face of the brand, right? So with with ESPN, they're used to that, right? You have to have anchors, but it's very rare for a publication like the New York Times to have anchors. And he's, yeah. he's really become the face. It's really a bold move on their part, um, but he's done an amazing job of stepping into the anchor role of a news publication like the New York Times and becoming the voice for it.
0: He really is. He really is. And he, and he's kind of like Terry Gross. Like he just has the perfect personality for it. You know, he's, he's warm and he's personable, but he asks really great questions and questions that we all are wondering or questions that we haven't even thought about. He also is really good at getting his guests to, and this is really like the key to good reporting. He's really good at getting his guests to unpack what they're talking about. Like, he doesn't just ask a question and then the guest gives a complicated answer. He's like, but what do you mean by, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, what does that actually mean? Right. Well, what do you think? You know? And so, so then you, yeah. So then you completely learn something. Um I guess I'm kind of into the, the politics stuff right now because I also love Pod Save, Pod Save America for similar reasons. Like I'm just learning something on every episode. And um I think, the guy love it is hilarious. And uh I think they're all really funny. And so it's just a really good format um for me. I'm looking at my little li- Oh, also I'm loving the armchair expert with Dax Shepherd podcast. So right I haven't now. got a chance
1: to listen to that yet, but what, what does he cover on, on that show?
0: Well, that one, so he has two podcasts. That one, he um just interviews he interviews people. Um so like and, and, and he does a couple where he interviews his wife, Kristen Bell, um, and those are the ones that I really like because I love Kristen Bell and they're really funny and really honest. And I think, you know, I think the reason I like him so much is because he, you know, he was dyslexic growing up uh, and he's really open about that and he's open about the fact that he felt like the dumb kid, like he had to go to special education classes and he, so because he felt like the dumb kid, he relied on his humor to be to kind of get him through. And so, he was popular and he was well-liked, but he had this kind of like internal process that was really tough and it eventually led him to, you know, becoming addicted to drugs. And so, he's been through a lot in his life and he's really, really able to, like he's very self-reflective, but he's not it's not too much, <laughs> you okay. know what I mean. Okay. It's like he's he's funny and and um, but he's he's incredibly relatable. He's just incredibly relatable, and I think that's something that I really look for uh, in in podcasts that I listen to. I just want to feel like I know the person, mm. and, and that's how I feel with him. Yeah.
1: So Andrea, the last question that I have uh, for you before we wrap up today is: Why do you podcast?
0: Why do I podcast? Oh my gosh. You know, that's such a good question because I feel like probably why I started podcasting is different than why I do it now. You know, I started doing it because I wanted to get I wanted to kind of def- redefine my voice, find out what my voice was outside of writing. I wanted to share these longer form interviews with with yoga experts. And now I podcast because I actually feel like I know the people who listen to it and I want to continue this relationship. I hope that doesn't sound cheesy, but like, I just, I want to continue to be a part of this community and to build this community and to keep, to keep yoga growing in like a high quality way, but also in a really accessible way. Like I always think that the world would be a better place if everybody did a little bit of yoga like you don't have to do a lot you don't have to do it all the time it doesn't have to be your whole life but the things that it offers you are so different from what normal everyday western society that tells you to like compete and you know win at every cost and like you know rack up a lot of material items like yoga just gives you a little bit of a break from all that and so i just want to continue helping people to know that, that that's out there
1: wow well, Andrea Ferretti, it's such so, it's an honor to have you on the show. I feel like we're, we're like old friends now.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. You are so amazing. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank, Thanks for having no, no, me. No, It was
1: such a pleasure just meeting you and being on the panel with you uh, here in Brooklyn at On Air Fest. And I love what you're doing. I was actually tuning into the show for the last couple of days. And yeah, you're just the bomb.
0: Thank you so much. You too.
1: Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Andrea Ferretti. Be sure to check out her dope podcast, Yoga Land, and I'll provide the links for you in the description of this episode. This episode was edited by Bradley Naiman, mixed by Mark Bird. Music for this episode was provided by Richie Quake. And before I get out of here, be sure to check out my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture, and I'll be sure to provide the link for you in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pod bless. Till next time.
0: This is A-Cast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. How are they going to get paid? Feeling emoji shrug about your money situation? But know you need to get it together. Get Money is a personal finance podcast for anyone who is done with confusing and boring AF financial advice. Does that mean friends just text you questions about money all the time? Just for some free advice? All day, every day. What's the most common question you get asked?
1: Does this look infected?
0: (laughs) Let Get Money podcast help you get your finances together. ACAST is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.